Welcome to the Real Phil Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me on this fine, cold evening is my ardent and churlish co-host. Ardent and churlish? Churlish. Shirtless. Shirtless. No. Yes. <laughs> I am shirtless. Churlish. What are, what are the meaning of those words? I, I've... We use it ardent. For some reason, I thought of artichoke. No, <laughs> that's because we were talking about artichokes earlier. Yeah. Uh, ardent means enthusiastic or passionate. Okay, I can get behind that. What's what's uh, what's shirtless? <laughs> Churlish is rude in a mean spirited and surly way. Okay, so I'm enthusiastic, <laughs> but I'm mean spirited. Yes. So I'm enthusiastically mean spirited. Yes. Like, hey, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Salcedo here. Hey. <laughs> uh, we have a good episode for you this time around. Mm-hmm. We missed you guys all last week. Um, we can obviously be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at The Real Appeal with two E's and real. Uh, you can also email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Uh, review us on iTunes, poor favor. Give us a nice five-star review. We will read it. Even if you give us a five-star review and proceed to talk shit about us, I will read it. <laughs> Probably. But if you give us anything less than a five, we won't read it. Yeah. Only fives. That's how we get power-ups. Yum, yum, yum. Fives. <laughs> uh, this week's episode, we're going to do our usual news. We're going to do our recent review, which is... The Invisible Man. Variety Time is Try This, Not That. A triumph of return. Yeah. This summer I actually got something. <laughs> it's not just the Mark show. Um, well, you want some stuff, too. Yeah, I do. But, you know, stuff. Okay. Geriatric uh, Cinematic is War of the Roses, which came out in 1989. Yes, the Danny DeVito directed War of the Roses. I remember watching that movie as a kid and... I don't know if it's one of the uh, sticking points for why I'll never get married or what, but that shit traumatized me. As a kid? Yeah. I saw it as a kid, okay. and I was like, I'll never get married. <laughs> um, surprise, surprise, I've never seen it before. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get into the news uh yeah so a bit of a technical news came out uh about a week ago maybe a few days ago uh large format film is thriving in 2020 and it's led by no time to die tenant and wonder woman 1984 so kodak kodak's one of the very few remaining um film productions uh Film production studios, and not like they're making movies, but they're making the film product, the celluloid, I believe is how you say it. Um, So they renewed their contract with uh, Hollywood, a a bunch of Hollywood studios, which is a great sign. Um, uh, Let me see if we're going to find it real quick. Well, what happened was that, uh, so Kodak recently signed an an extension with Disney, NBC Studios, Paramount, Sony, and Warner Brothers for a long-term film stock purchase commitment. Uh, this is really good because it shows that film is coming back. Um, digital was just really dominating everything around, uh, like 
producing films and stuff like that because it's easier you know you get a 120 128 gig thumb drive and boom you got your movie like made right there mm-hmm. or storage film has always been seen as something that's a bit more expensive to make or to use but thanks to movies like once upon a once upon a time in hollywood little women marriage story and the irishman which is a digital film hybrid um they use 35 millimeter and that is bringing up this big boom and this big interest for using film uh, the president of Kodak Motion Pictures Entertainment, Steve Bellamy, Bellamy, said to say that it's a banner year for film would be an un- would be the understatement of the year. Kodak had massive film volume increase in every film format: eight millimeter, sixty millimeter, thirty-five millimeter, sixty-five millimeter, black and white, and large increase in film print uh, struck. So, to give you guys an idea of how great this is. You are going to get more. There's there's more interest for um, certain movies to be made, like 65 millimeter and 70 millimeter type film. Um, that measurement gives you like the huge IMAX screens, mm-hmm. which is like really dope to watch. Like, uh, oh, like we saw um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk was 70 millimeter. Um, was 1917? 70 millimeter i know we saw like an imax but it wasn't 17 right was it digital i don't think it no it wasn't digital yeah i don't think that wasn't digital either but like i i'm really thrilled about this the reason why is because um film this this is i've i've heard this in many conversations but film but this is my opinion um Film is, to me, it's like a warmer kind of thing, like a warmer feeling kind of thing. It's hard to explain, but when you watch digital, you got a sense that it's cold, that it's almost lifeless. Mm-hmm. But when you watch film, I don't know, you see the life in it. You almost see the life of the film within the material. Even like the imperfections of like the scratches and stuff like that that might pop out that doesn't really pop out so much. There's something about it that just like resonates with me. So whenever I have an opportunity to watch something in 35 millimeter. I'm fucking there. Mm. I don't care if the movie's bad or good. I'm just like, I want to see it because it's, it's, it's beaming with life. Mm-hmm. And there's so much care that goes into it. And also, when you're shooting in film, even though it can be very difficult because it's costly, as a director, you have to have your shit on point, which is... That which that's how you get the good stuff, the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we only got one shot of this, or we have to reload up the the camera and do this, and everybody's gonna get back in place and cost them more money. No, no, we gotta get it like right the first or second time the most. And I really, I'm really enjoying this. Um, a few other directors that are getting back into 35 millimeter is John Krasinski, who's doing Quiet Place Two, uh, Artemis Fowl, which is a Disney film. Uh, shot by uh, looks like shot by Zemeckis. No, shot by Lucas. I don't know who that is. Uh, Justin Lin, who's doing F Nine, is a digital film hybrid. Uh, Judge Apatow is getting back into film. Uh, Wes Anderson's The Fresh Dispatch is going to be in film. Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho that's going to be in film. And Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Of course, Steven Spielberg because he's he's been in film in working film for like decades. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that this is coming back and that there's like a, a new love for it like future art art tours are really appreciating the use of film that means like Kodak's going to be coming back and that means that 
there's going to probably be other production uh, companies that's going to be like, yo, we got to shoot this in film now. Um, I think my best comparison for that would be people who really enjoy vinyl. Exactly. Oh, like I, vinyl 100%. Records, right? 100%. Because you get digital. It sounds crisp and clear, and it sounds really good. It's not exactly the same as watching a movie on digital, right? Mm. Because... I don't think music actually sounds cold, okay. but you know, if it's digital or whatever and it's not on vinyl, Yeah. but there's something about listening to music on vinyl that kind of brings out character in it as well. Yeah. You could almost like it. I don't, it's hard. It's, you can almost like be in the room as they're making the music Yeah. because you're hitting, you're hearing like the scratch. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's, um, this is uh, this is from what I've studied in psychology and stuff like that. We, as in people, will never accept a perfect society because we are not perfect at all. We, that's just how we are. Mm-hmm. And when you do something digital, there's too much perfection into it, and it kind of takes you out. You want to see the inconsistencies or you want to see the small, tiny errors because it almost looks real because mm-hmm. that's what life is. Life is like a series of errors and mistakes that you learn from. Mm-hmm. So you see film, you see the errors and the mistakes, but you're just like, yo, that's just life. So yeah, I'm able like, to... Like I'm friends with you and that was a mistake, but that's life. Damn. <laughs> I never see it as a mistake. I see it as, uh, uh, what's it called? Damnation. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm really thrilled about this. Um, the article the article goes into detail also about the fact that since um, film is coming back, uh, that um, they're going to be building. Uh, there's there's already a lot of work to build in smaller cameras to hold the film mm-hmm. because uh, cameras that hold film are notoriously heavy as shit and very. Uh, cumbersome to move around mm-hmm. for like those really kick ass shots. You know why? That's why we go into digital. But they're going to be trying to, certain companies are trying to build cameras that are either lighter or smaller. And that's probably why F9 is a hybrid. Yeah, that's why F9 is a hybrid. Uh, Another one that's actually going into film, that's going to be using film, uh, like I said, Wonder Woman 1984, Tenet, and Death of the Nile. And that's really great because you get like these really uh, great sweeping shots, like these great wide angle shots. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Shot in 70 millimeter. I don't like the movie. I think it's boring as fuck. But man, it looks fucking amazing. Like to watch it on a big fucking screen on 70 millimeter. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you see the life like just coming at you than, than just the acting. And it looks, it looks beautiful to watch. Right. So I, I'm really stoked. I'm really stoked that this is happening and that these big movies are like, are really getting into back and using the film again. Well, you know who's not shooting? Film on Ooh. 70 millimeter or Ooh. 35 millimeter. Or any millimeter. Or any millimeter. Uh. Uh, Steven Spielberg won't be directing Indiana Jones 5. Let me just say, great segue. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg did the first four movies. Yeah, the first four Indiana Jones Yeah, movie. for Indiana Jones. Unfortunately, the fourth one. <laughs> Uh, he will not be doing the fifth one. Mm. I'm actually kind of happy about that because I feel like he's starting to slip. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's not because he's not a good director or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you get i think you kind of get to an age where you just can't keep up yeah he's not his films aren't really rolling with the times now don't get me wrong see i mean i wish i had like the tip of my pinky or the tip of his pinky level of talent as a director even a bad uh bad spielberg film is a lower director's great film yeah uh but yeah he's but at the same time he has been kind of like not really going with the times now and not really able to convey the story like how he used to especially Mm -hmm. to like match what people's interests are yeah which is one of the reasons why like indy 4 like bombed so badly yeah so um he he's been at it since 1981 with raiders of the lost ark uh but he's going to pass it on to another director, and who else but James Mangold is in talks to take it over. I'm really stoked about that. So for those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. James Mangold did Ford v. Ferrari, and uh, what else? He did... Uh, oh, Logan. <clears throat> Logan. Yeah, he did Logan, which is the Wolverine movie we've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did 310 to Yuma. A great Western film. James Mango is a really, really, really good director. And this is actually in his wheelhouse. He kind of has this kind of, this kind of like Western vibe. Mm-hmm. Like old cowboy gunslinger whistle. His name whistle. even sounds Western to me. Yeah. Deputy James, James Mango. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I kind of feel though like... I'm excited. If he takes it over, I'm excited. Mm. But one thing that doesn't make me excited is Harrison Ford is still in it. Because he's old as dirt. He does not like... I think his last good film uh-huh. was... Uh, <sighs> that fucking movie that I love <laughs> that nobody else likes. Blade Runner 2049. Everybody likes that movie. Well, critics like that movie. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, what was his last? And after that, movie? like he was old in that one, and it just seems like every year he ages ten years. Yeah, his last good movie. Wow, he was in the Secret Life of Pets too, and nobody saw that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, his last. I mean, fuck the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, fuck that movie. But he wasn't like stupendous in that either, because it wasn't about him. He didn't mm. have any crazy scenes where he was fighting. Yeah. I feel like his ankle's about to break any any second now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that's going to be the movie. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that's a wrap. We'll do everything else in digital. I think he's pushing like 77 now or something. Yeah, so don't do an action movie. Do like, you need to like stretch your drama legs or something. And I know he has it in him and I know he's done it. Yeah. Don't do action films. If, I mean, if this movie actually does get made, honestly, he needs a... They either need to reboot it, or they need, he really needs to pass that motherfucking torch. Uh, didn't he try to pass it to Shia LaBeouf at one point? No, the studios were kind of setting up Shia LaBeouf to be the next Indiana Jones, but um, the way how the movie played out, Spielberg was like, nah. <laughs> like, nah, you ain't getting this, man. <laughs> Even Harrison Ford was like, you ain't getting this role. Fuck that. Yeah. So, I, there's been a lot so of Though I think he probably could do it. Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, the 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 best the best uh, person that I think that would be a better fitting for her, for Indiana Jones would be Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt Chris Pratt has that charisma and that yeah. charm about him, but at the same time, if he does it, he's either he's just doing Star Lord with a whip, as same as Harrison Ford did 
Han Solo with a blast, uh, did Indiana Jones with a blaster. Well, it's in funny Star you Wars. say that because who did Jurassic World? Who took Jurassic Park away from Spielberg? Oh, uh, Colin Trevor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then so that was a Spielberg movie, and Chris Pratt was in that. Mm-hmm. And then this is Spielberg's movie. And it's going to Mangle. Yeah, it's going to Mangle, but like I'm saying Chris Pratt again would be Yeah. I, I see a theme in like the type of characters that Spielberg tends to direct. Yeah, I heard I remember hearing rumors years and years ago when re, when a uh Indiana Jones reboot was supposedly gonna get made and it was um uh what's his name? Oh, he directed uh, Stars Born. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. One rumor is that Bradley Cooper was it was going to be the next Indiana Jones, and I can kind of picture that. He kind of has that charm, but sometimes his uh, sarcasm is a little too much of a dick. I think he's a uh, too high energy. It's yeah. Not in the good ways. Yeah. Not like, of course, Indiana Jones is high energy, but he has still like a laid back part of his personality that kind of keeps him grounded. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Bradley Cooper possesses that. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Who, I wonder who else, who could be the next Indiana Jones? If we could, let me see, I'm gonna pull up a list and be like, people saying who might be a good Indiana Jones. (laughs) Well, I mean, Right there, first day. It's Chris Pratt going to be Indiana Jones. That's like the first question that popped <laughs> up. Uh, let me see. Screen Rat did this good article. Uh, Ten actors who could replace Chris Evans. I can picture Chris Evans. He's too handsome, though. He still also has this high energy that I don't like. Uh, Scott Eastwood. He can't act worth shit. Michael B. Jordan. I actually like that. I can picture Michael B. Jordan. He had to lose some of those muscles, though. Um, Zach Levi, he's the one who plays Shazam. I think uh, he's too much energy. Yeah. Uh, what's a good one? Okay. Alicia Vikanda? She was in the, the, she was in the reboot, the Tomb Raider reboot that came out last year, two years ago. Uh, Army Hammer. Uh, is that? He's a, he's a decent guy. Michael Fassbender. No. No. Mm. Carl Urban. Judge Dredd. Yeah. I can kind of picture Carl Urban. I can too, but he what Judge Dredd isn't a super charismatic character. Mm. And Indiana Jones kinda is. Yeah, yeah. Even if he's not trying to be. And yeah. so I'm not entirely sure if that's a good match. Uh Bradley Cooper's number two. And of course, number one is Chris Pratt. <laughs> so everybody wants Chris Pratt. I think the universe is going to make it happen. I know, right? Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. Chris Pratt as Han Solo. Chris Pratt, you're a brat. Chris Pratt as Blade. Chris Pratt. I like how you ignored me. Yeah. It's a bad <laughs> joke. Anyway, yeah, so James Mango, what he's in, he's in talks, right? It's not, it's not for sure yet. Yeah, it's, it's not for sure, but you know. They better make that shit happen. I think I, I, I think if, if they give it to James Mango, like, and Spielberg, if Spielberg goes, yeah, give it to him, the movie's going to get finally going to get made. I would yeah. think. And, of course, uh, Bob Iger is going to make that happen. You think Bob Iger is going to make that happen? 
Well, it's a Disney film. Oh yeah, that's right. Right, and I'm saying like creative, creatively, uh-huh. he tries to keep things pretty solid, and he's been doing a good job. That's true. Even though mm. Bob Chapek Chapek is taking over from uh, Bob from Iger in he- Disney, but he's still keeping his hands on the reins of creativity. Yeah. Um- it kind of it shocked everybody. Bob Iger decided he was going to step away as CEO from Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, his contract was supposed to go. Actually, I, I I actually read or heard that his contract was supposed to go into 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the contract's going to change until it's going to end in December 31st, 2021. Um, if you guys don't know who Bob Chapek is, uh, he's the head of like Disneyland theme parks mm-hmm. and uh, products and stuff like that. Uh, Iger is stepping away to focus more on the creative side. So like staying in the studio. He's staying in the studio, but uh, Bob Chapek, he's going to be handling like the business stuff like that. Plus Iger's kind of like, he's going to like groom him to make sure to run the company effectively. Um, from what I read, they're, this changeup isn't going to be too big. Like he's not going to be like, "Yo, cancel Captain Marvel two and cancel Black Panther 2. He's not going to like do that shit because mm-hmm. that's that's making Disney money, right? And the boards are going to be like, or the 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 chairman of the board or whatever the group or whatever board was boardsman board members board members some type of board a skateboard. <laughs> they're not going to be like, "Yo, stop that snowboarding." Yeah, um, waterboarding. I um. I think it's I I think Bob Iger's done real good. I think he deserves to like kick back. Kick back. Um he did a, a lot of aggressive buying like Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, Fox. Um and Disney's made their money back on Star Wars like four times like twice over already. Mm-hmm. Um they're making ugh, every Marvel movie is like a billion dollar movie. Yeah. Uh so I heard a theory that one of the reasons that Iger is stepping out now is because Disney is kind of going to be getting in trouble stock-wise because Disney's not making Disney Disney would make their money off of their IP by lending it out to like Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they're not doing that because they're taking all their products back. Now they own Hulu, so they're putting not, it on Disney Plus and Hulu. Yeah, yeah exactly. Plus um, there's this whole coronavirus thing going around and Disneyland. Who makes all the toys. Yeah. You know, Disney is popular over in China and Japan and stuff. They exactly. have their own theme parks. Yeah, like Disneyland Shanghai is, uh, from what I heard, I think it closed down because of the corona- coronavirus scare. Mm-hmm. And they might be losing some money now because of, because of all that's going on. So... Iger's probably stepping away and being like, yo, I don't want to be a part of this. I want to be on the creative side. And he just kind of, he's going to gear up Bob Chapek for like, yo, prepare for all this shit because it's going to hit you like really hard. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's a rumor. That's what people are like speculating. That doesn't sound right to me though, because if he has the balls to buy all these companies Mm -hmm. and make it work, right? Because I don't think it's that hard to buy a, it's obviously hard to buy a company, but it's not. Mm hard to buy a company and say oh look at this great thing i did it could have mm. easily have fallen apart like fucking rome because yeah. of how you know like how they expanded and they fucking had 
England and they were so big and mm. everything and they got so big they collapsed. Yeah. That could have easily happened to Disney. So I don't think that he's I don't think that he's stepping back because he's afraid of the stocks falling. What well, I was because uh, Disney Disney is a strong enough mm. entity all of its own mm. that even if they're losing money, I think because of the parks closing and then factories shutting down so the toys aren't being made and different things aren't being made. Yeah, well, I, I, they're they're gonna be fine. Yeah, well, okay, I it's a poor choice of words. Not that he's afraid, but he wants to leave on a high note. Iger wants to leave like I have all this shit. Now I'm done. Instead of like all this shit's going down, and you know I'm leaving like this horrible legacy of like bad business decisions. It sounds like, like they were dealing, thinking about this for a long time, though. Well, it's Iger has been kind of teasing the idea of like retiring and kind of calling it quits or for a while especially like in 2017 where he was thinking about running for president um for for the election we have now um but he he stepped back he's like yo i'm I'm just gonna take all take care of all this kind of stuff and you know he's probably like he's probably just got to a point where he's just tired of being ceo and he just wants to handle like the creative side and he can now because he has like all this power yeah so i would imagine like he probably just got to a point where he's like i'm done you know yeah so, but he still wants to groom the other Bob because um, he did get it to a really great point. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for him. Like, I, I just feel like he built it and I don't think he'd want to see it fall apart even if. Oh, no. no you know what I'm saying? That. Well, yeah. That's what I'm feeling like. He, that's why oh, yeah. he's not completely stepping back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he cares way too much about this company. Yeah, it's, it's people are saying or... Um, or other uh, news sites are saying that like he's grooming Bob Chapek for pretty much everything that he's been doing at Disney and kind of wants him familiarized what's going on. I know I'm like over talking the subject. No, no, but it's I good. feel like it's good. you know when you're like scared about something, so uh-huh. then you got to talk yourself, like talk to yourself about it, and then make yourself feel better. Yeah, well, it, this is Kelsey. like this is me. You're like, okay, it's gonna be okay. Kelsey, Kelsey, it's okay for you to retire as CEO of Disney. And let Bob check and take your spot. It's okay. You've done good. You brought Marvel in. <laughs> you brought you bought Star Wars in. You're doing good, girl. Oh, thank you. Can I have some money? My name is also Bob. Bob, ladies and gentlemen, this is a real cool podcast with Bob Loisel. <laughs> I forgot your your actually. Name. That's one of my uncle's names. Bob. Yeah. Is your uncle, uncle Bob, Bob Iger? No. <laughs> uh, whatever. Actually, I don't know if he's still alive. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, my God. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with that weirdness, we will just kind of move on to our recent review of The Invisible Man. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? What happened to him? He cut his wrist. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello?
to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. The synopsis for that is when Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by somebody nobody can see. It's directed by Lee Wanell, who's best known for Insidious Chapter 3 and Upgrade, and written by him as well. Um, he did Saws 1, 2, and 3, and Upgrade. And it stars Aldous Hodge as James, Storm Reed as Sydney, Harriet Dyer as Alice, Michael Dorman as Tom, and there was a Mark? Benedict Hardy as Mark. Are you getting the right ones? I'm not. Oh my god. <laughs> the fuck? You're like naming people who aren't even in the movie. Yeah. I think. Hold on. Hold on. To the IMDb that we will. I mean, I copied and pasted it. Batman. Okay, sorry. The cast is Elizabeth Moss as Kelsey Cass, Oliver Jackson as Adrian Griffin. Harriet Dyer as Emily Cass, uh, Aldous Hodge as James Liner, Storm Reed as Sydney Liner, and oh, you got oh, that's you got the other people, and Michael Dorman as Tom Griffin. What do you mean I got the other people? Well, I see a mark. Like you got people like who seem that I think we're lower down. I don't know what you got. All right. Anyway, all <laughs> Maybe right. Maybe they changed it by the time. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. They probably swapped it. I have seen them do that on IMDb. Okay. Well, then it's not my fault. Woo. Woo. All right. So, um, Kelsey, what did you think of this movie? I'm surprisingly pleased about this movie. Really? I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't read you. Like, after we, after we saw the movie, <laughs> I, I couldn't just... read myself. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't sure how I felt about it Mm -hmm. because I like Elizabeth Moss Mm -hmm. as an actress. You're just not a big fan of her personal life? Yeah. Fuck Scientology. (laughs) Um, That's them banging on the door right now. (laughs) (laughs) Who said what? (laughs) I like She has great acting chops. Oh, yeah. She's a great actress. Yeah. Um, I was kind of whatever iffy on the whole invisible man thing like mm. i know they came out with a really bad invisible man story or something in like the early 2000s didn't they oh, i don't remember yeah it was not a good film 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 yeah um and i really wasn't that excited about it because i didn't want it to be bad Really? And then I heard that it was good. So then I was like more cautiously optimistic. You're talking about the invisible. Is it just called the invisible? A teenager is left invisible to live to the living after an attack. No, that's not the oh, okay. one. Okay, all right, all right. So go on, go on. <laughs> that's the only one I'm seeing from like early 2000s. Okay. Maybe it was mid-2000s? Mm, okay, so go on. Um, I really liked how they played with the psychology in the film. Mm. Um, I really liked 
how caring some of the char- characters were towards her um, in dealing with the issues that she had from an abusive ex. Yeah. Because that's not common, right? Not in real life or in the movies. You usually don't see someone who's caring enough to deal with somebody else's baggage. Uh, yeah, well, you you kind of, well, not, not, well, we, we can't really say for sure because we don't know everybody, but you kind of do get a sense of that in real life. But there, the way, the way how I took the caring part, it was, um, I don't know. It seemed, it, I mean, obviously it was like realistic, but for some reason it, it seemed like a little too, too wonderful or something. Like the how uh, the friends. That, that's what I'm getting at. Like, oh, okay. I you felt it as too wonderful or like, like like it seemed like the caring part seemed a little fake. Like it didn't seem authentic enough. I guess. I thought it did seem authentic. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Like, it was authentic, but it felt like it shouldn't be. Like, I know you know what I'm talking about. Where if you're feeling like shit mm. and somebody comes up to you and they're actually caring and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop mm. or you're just like, get the fuck away from me because this isn't real. Mm, okay. I kind of felt like it was kind of like that. Like they actually were caring. Yeah. And it, it came across as real, but you're like, this isn't real because this isn't what usually happens. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Even though there are people out there who exist like that, they're just not easy to find. Yeah, okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the invisible part of that story didn't really bother me. I thought I thought the way how, not how she was dealing with it, but like later in the film where certain people were getting involved, I thought their handling was a little too tamed. Like if, like when, you know, shit starts popping off and like the idea of, of what's going on with Elizabeth Moss might actually be true. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of handling it like, oh, okay, she's being attacked by somebody. Mm-hmm. An unforeseen, an unseen uh, attacker. They're, 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 it seemed like they're handling it was just kind of like, oh, we just got to stop it. Stop this evil. Or stop this person. And I feel like in real life, you'd be like, yo, that person is invisible. Holy shit. Call like the FBI. Or oh, call the yeah. CIA. Call the government in. <laughs> you know? Um, I liked, okay, I'm, I I like uh, Lee Winnell's directing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of his movie Upgrade. I remember I told you about it, and I could not shut up about. It. I was like, "Yo, you got to no, see this." No, we watched movie. it. No, no, I saw it by myself, and then you saw you saw. I told you about it, and you were like, "Oh, okay, I'll go check it out." And then I asked you like later, like, "What'd you think about it?" We watched it together, though. I think you watched it again. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But I'm referring to the first time we saw it. Let's just go with our first reactions. Okay. Uh, so I didn't even know the dude was directing this movie until like, I think the day before we were going to see this. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm totally in it now. Because seeing the trailers before, I felt like they were giving away way too much. Mm-hmm. But as the movie progressed, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm investing in this movie. Especially like the camera movement that Lee Winnell was doing. Mm-hmm. Which is really reminiscent of... Uh, the way how he shot certain scenes in Upgrade, like how the camera would like follow the character around and do like these badass sweeping shots mm-hmm. that almost seem like almost a video game cutscene ish. Mm-hmm. You know how like the camera just moves smoothly through the scene. Yeah. You no. Know? 
So that was pretty cool. The special effects were also pretty good, even though as the film kind of progressed and the, they start relying heavily on CGI, you can, you can already see the seams coming it. apart a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was just like, all right, that looks a little cheap now. That's, that's like a little It fake. did. Um, one thing that bothered me too is the development of the characters within the story in each situation. Yeah, you know what? It seemed like... Now I think about it, it seemed like there wasn't that much... De- I mean, the only de- development within the characters was Elizabeth Moss. Everybody else, there was no development. The, it's like they didn't give them a lot of time. Yeah. And, like, they were well round. Like, who's that guy? The black guy and his daughter. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Al- Aldous Hodge. Yeah. Okay, and his daughter, uh, the actress is Storm Reed. okay? They were well-rounded. I felt like yeah, they, they gave were good. them, who are, like, Lee gave them some thought. Mm. He did not give her sister any thought. Yeah, uh, Harriet Dyer, yeah. Yeah, she was very, like, like, I'm here for you. Okay, now I'm not for, here for you. All right, now I'm here for you. Yeah, like, yeah. um... I actually want to spend some time talking about this part. Oh, and the spoilers? Yeah, so... Um, okay, yeah, let's let's go ahead. You want to jump into the spoilers? Yeah, so, uh, yep, let's do that. Spoiler time. One thing that really irritated me about her sister, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss gets outside of the compound she lives in. Mm-hmm. Her sister's not there. Oh she yeah, was that was pissing her me off. To be waiting for her. Yeah. Obviously, her sister, better than anybody, uh, should know my sister's been through some shit. Yeah, but e- even even when she. First of all, yeah, I agree, I agree with you 100%. That car should have been there 10 minutes before Elizabeth Moss showed up. Yeah. Another thing that irritated me is, what's going? she's like, what's going on? Like, why Like, why do you have to come in here, my car in the middle of the night? Like, why do we do yeah, all this? Yeah, she's just sitting there like, what's going on? Exactly. Like, you know what's going on. You're there to fucking pick her up. Just fucking go. Yeah, like, no lie. If... Even though, like, my brother and myself, we're not, like, super close. Mm. But if I give him a call and say, like, yo, I need you to pick me up, like, here at this time. I need you, like, there. He could hear, he could hear in my voice, like, all right, I got to show up. If I got to ask questions, I'll ask questions later. But he needs to get picked up. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, your brother would do the same thing. Yeah. Even if you don't even explain to him, like, the entire story. He's like, I'm there. And plus, her sister knew enough about her boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. To know that when she asks me for help, like, I'm going to be there because that's not a good situation. Yeah. So for her to be like, what's going on? Oh, my God. And then, of course, (laughs) I like how your face you're making when she says that. (laughs) Her boyfriend, like, smashes through the window and then, like. And she's still like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. uh, She's like, oh, my God. And she's like running away. Like. Well, driving away, anyway. That would have been funny if she got on the car and ran away. <laughs> You'd be like, well, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and, of course, 
it wasn't exactly a MacGuffin, but it was so stupid. I knew as soon as that medicine bottle fell out of her bag. Oh, it was going to come back. That it was going to come back. Yeah. Then her sister leaves her with her friend, James, and his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Sydney. And, like, I'm so frustrated by this. Okay, are you talking about the part where she informed uh, Elizabeth Moss' character that the boyfriend's dead, or... No, I'm talking about... Are you talking about the email scene? No, I'm talking about after... Uh-huh. After she barely brings her out away from her boyfriend. Yeah. The next time you see Elizabeth Moth- Moss, she's, see- like, waking up with the sun, basically. Mm-hmm. And then she can't go outside, and she's with these brand new people that you don't know. Mm. Because her sister wouldn't take her in. She's with these people instead. Yeah. And you don't really understand why, because they don't really connect those dots for you that well. Yeah, they don't really explain the history between Elizabeth Moss' character and uh, Aldous Hodge and Storm Reed's character at all. Yeah. Which that, that I didn't really think about until you mentioned it, but yeah, they don't even explain like their how like how I mean obviously they know each other well enough, mm-hmm. and he's a cop, so I'm sure he feels compelled to like well let me take her in and whatever yeah. but they don't really go like oh, they don't we, even explain that much yeah in the beginning they don't go like oh we've known each other for like 20 years or through college or anything like that yeah you know i dated your sister or anything like that and so her sister's not there and you're just like why mm. and then it takes a little while and then you finally realize when her sister shows up on the front doorstep like oh well that's why, because he's going to follow her mm. to where you're hiding out at. Like, yeah. it, it, they just, it, it, like it, they it, want the audience to follow you through all these hoops. Mm. And I understand that, but they're not giving enough breadcrumbs for people to get it. Gotcha. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. So, it's really hit or miss with the sister. Like, is she caring or is she a piece of shit? <laughs> and then... You know, it seems like they're they actually have a good relationship, and then all of a sudden, she's just pissed off for no reason, and like I fucking hate you. Don't talk to me again. And mm. you, you sent me this email. Like, you don't know your sister well enough to know that she wouldn't email that to you. Like that did bother me. Like she was really quick to cut off her sister. Um, let me. What's the character's name? Um. Okay, so Harriet Dyer, who played Emily Cass, who was Elizabeth Moss' character, Cecilia Cass, Emilia cut off Cecilia really fucking fast after she got that email. Like, she didn't even, like, let her talk about it. Yeah, and, and she tried explaining, too, like, like no, it's my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, who's supposedly, who's supposedly dead. Yeah. But, but still, like... Well, like the, it's not like, hey, I really fucking love you. There's something wrong with you, like let yeah. Me let me further, let me further, yeah. Let me further help you. Let me help you, like get you some medical help or something. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like, oh, you're just a bad person. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, mm-hmm. okay. I can see that. Yeah, I can. I can really see that. Like the writing for the Silster, the sister really, <laughs> really like drop. They really dropped the ball on that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that I, I didn't think about that until you know what? That's the thing. Her character her her character is not really that forgettable because later on her char- um Emily dies 
But it's funny, like, when she dies, I don't really feel anything when she dies. I'm just like, oh, her sister's dead now. Oh, I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to see her bitch face again. <laughs> she did have a lot of bitch face. Um, so one thing that one thing that was bothering me later on was how the effects started kind of wearing off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I, I, actually, I actually saw some behind-the-scenes footage of how they did this film. There's this really great scene where... Um, Cecilia is like in the house by herself and she thinks that her boyfriend, who's supposedly dead, is in the house with her, mm-hmm. invisible, which is a big plot hole because remember she like throws the paint on him and yeah. there's that scare reveal. But like the paint, like the paint almost comes off really fast because he like washes his face and the paint's gone, which is like, whoa, where all that paint go? But there's this really great struggle scene where like. <laughs> oh, sorry. What, what? I was watching the movie, and as I was watching the movie, I was distracted by the idea that this grown-ass, really tall man uh, somehow was able to stand in the kitchen sink and give himself <laughs> like a quick shower really fast like or something. A bur- like a bird bath in this <laughs> tiny little sink. <laughs> like, but I'm like trying to picture, like, is he like... He has to stand in the sink for this to work. Like, yeah. how would that work? And like the, maybe, the movie's progressing, and I'm like, or maybe he like he's like he has his foot in there to like <laughs> splash the water on his leg and then splash more on his chest. He's doing the hokey pokey. Yeah. Uh, so so um, it's this great scene where uh, Cecilia is being um, she's being attacked by this invisible man and it's so scary because like he holds her up like you can tell someone's like choke holding her or holding sorry, holding her up by her throat. I hit the mic hold him in the throat like got, he's like holding her hand back because she has a knife and he like throws her and then she's like on top he's on top of her and she's like hitting him with dishes and like punching him so i saw behind the scenes and i was like i wonder how they did that because normally when uh when they show somebody fighting somebody's invisible you can tell they're like they have to stop the hand themselves, right? But you can still tell they're like they're not really hitting anything. Mm-hmm. What they did is they actually just put somebody in a green suit, mm-hmm. and she actually fought somebody in a green suit. So that's why when she connected, she actually connected with somebody. Yeah. And I thought it looked really great, especially like when she got thrown across the table, and the camera like did like this this uh, arc shot of her going over the table, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um. So that is cool. And then even the scene where she's in the uh, psych ward, the Invisible Man is like, is like trying to stop her from like escaping and whatever. Mm-hmm. But later on, like when the suit starts acting up and starts like, it starts revealing itself, it just starts looking more and more fake. Like, I wonder, couldn't they have like, couldn't they have used like a partial green suit and then... Maybe they probably, that's what they, they did. They probably did, but they just didn't. But it's they, like they used CGI on the rest of the suit, and they could have made that look more realistic. Because you probably. don't have to see the little cameras zooming in and out um, in the suit for it to be realistic. Mm-hmm. I think they could have just made that a real like practical effect they probably could have um i'm trying to see how much the budget was from what i heard i think the budget was like seven million dollars or something like that which is like let me see the budget was seven million dollars that is dirt cheap yeah like a movie of this magnitude that involved optic illusions and stuff like that should at least be like 20 million yeah something like that but the but the fact that it actually, some scenes did look good. 
but you know, some of them don't. You can you can see like where that seven million went, yeah. especially when like they needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't know what were you gonna say. <laughs> Super helpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So I did. I have a confession to make. I did see that ending coming though. Not the not the brother plot twist. Yeah. That like it's a reveal that like her brother. It's not. It wasn't her boyfriend that was attacking her. It was her brother, the boyfriend's brother. But then they kind of lead to. Then they reveal that the boyfriend's not really dead. But she's just like, no, no, no. Like he, he's still behind it. He's still behind it. I know this is how good of a manipulator he is, and how he gets in your head, and blah blah blah. And then she, at one point, she puts the suit on. They don't show it, but she puts the suit on and makes him makes it look like he killed himself. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw that coming, especially the fact that like when they revealed it's the brother. Yeah. And the movie stuff kept going. I was like, all right, she's going to kill him because she knows that he still did it, but he's not going to admit it because he's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Um, one thing you did point out that bothered you a lot was um, how they were trying to make the abusive boyfriend a victim as well. Yeah. Um, it, that didn't stick. Yeah. It just didn't stick. Like, you could tell. Remember when we were watching that one movie with Kevin Spacey and you were kind of annoyed that I got it within the first 20 uh, minutes? Uh, uh, the Usual Suspects, yeah. It was like that. Oh, okay. Like, there was no big reveal at the end where mm. the Kevin Spacey character was... Wait, we're sorry, we're spoiling The Usual Suspects if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I mean, we also did an episode on it. Yeah. Okay, it, it, we're in the spoiler section anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, but some people, some people might have been like, "I seen Invisible Man," but I haven't seen Usual Suspects. <laughs> Man, um, there was no big reveal in this one, like in the in the Usual Suspects, where the Kevin Spacey character, which would have been the Tiger. abuser's brother, yeah, uh, was the bad guy after all. Yeah, it was like. They wanted you to believe that, but they didn't really spend enough time trying hard to, to make you believe it. Mm. Um, there's that. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was how... Oh, man. I keep losing it because I remember and you're right in the middle of talking and I don't want to interrupt you. And then okay. I forget because I'm getting engaged in what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so let me see. I'm trying to think what else I really... But I will is. interrupt you this time. If All I right, did you it. get... You have it? No. Oh, okay, what is it? No, I said no, I don't. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, what, one thing I... One thing I thought they were going to do is... Oh, I remember. Oh, finally. All right, good, good, good. <laughs> go, go. It was boring in the beginning. Really? You thought it was boring? It was very slow. Okay. And, like, my issue is... They wanted you to take your time. There's a couple things. They wanted you to take your time with this character to feel her anxiety mm-hmm. and to understand why she has it and to feel it with her. Mm-hmm. And I never took that ride with her. Oh, okay. Not in the beginning when they wanted you to. Mm-hmm. I was always just a bystander. I was mm. never in it with her. Okay. And so as time progresses mm-hmm. and nothing still is happening yet, 
they're doing this thing with the camera where they're focusing on areas where there's nothing or I they're like panning. That. I really like the use of, I, I really enjoyed the use of space in this in this movie. I didn't like that. Really? Holy shit, okay. Because up until that point they still were failing to make me other than the beginning part of the movie where she was trying to get away and yeah. for me that was a little nerve-wracking which is what what I was supposed to be feeling. Mm. After that, it was quiet. Mm. And so I'm just sitting there like with this lady in this fucking house mm. and the camera is starting to focus on things where there's nothing happening. Mm. And I know they want you to think that there's someone there, but it's there's a huge disconnect mm, okay. between how they're using the camera and wanting you to feel like there's someone there mm. and how you actually would feel if you were in a room and you felt like something was there. Mm, okay. Because I know everyone should have felt that at some point in their life. Yeah, yeah. And I was not feeling that in this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There is... Um, I'll, I'll agree with you a little bit on that. Um, there were a couple of shots that it did give me that sense of like somebody was in the room with her. And it wasn't It wasn't even like a wide shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you see the entire room, it'd just be something where she's just standing there and it's like eerily quiet where she turned around and just like, all right, I kind of felt that. That part I was I was feeling it. However, I did like I I I was really enjoying the use of space. Um, I always think uh, well I I always enjoy watching a movie that relies more on the viewer putting the fear in their own mind. Like, what's gonna come? Is mm-hmm. is something there? Is something there? Am I not? Am I missing it? You know, I was getting that sense. I didn't get that at all. That's I, my issue. Really, I was getting was I was like, getting that quite a few times. It was like when. A dog's owner mm. pretends to throw a ball. Mm, okay. And the dog's like, where to go? Where to go? Mm. And I feel like in this situation, you're the dog. Yeah. And you weren't and, falling for it. And you're the dog falling for it. Yeah. And I'm standing there like. Yeah. The ball's not there, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like if someone's playing video games and some little kid wants to play too and you give them a controller that's not hooked up. Mm-hmm. You're the kid with the controller, oh, and I'm like just watching you. Like, no, no, you're stupid for falling <laughs> for that, man. Like, I, I felt like, I just felt like it was such a simple trick. Mm-hmm. But did that? But you felt like they didn't land it that well. I mean, for you, it did. But well, I know, but I'm talking about as in you. Like, you, for you me, felt like it didn't land it that well. Yeah, it didn't. It, it felt like. I knew what they were doing. Like, mm. like they were using psychology on me, mm. and I'm too smart for that shit. Oh, so I am stupid. Yeah, you are. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I thought that was really good. It, it actually reminded me a lot of, um, even though this, this show did a lot better, it reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Haunting on Hill House when they would use space. But, I, but that show did a, a lot better. They they really gave you a sense of like there's someone that yeah I always felt like there was somebody around yeah. the corner which I think is kind of ironic because um uh, what's the actor's name uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen he's he plays the brother in A Haunting on Hill House so I thought like the use of space in two mediums he's in it's like it, I thought it was kind of ironic um, yeah I I got like I said I got a sense of that show but like that show did a lot better this one I I think it did it okay but not as great. Um, there were a couple of times where they were kind of overusing it, which is like, look, she's in a big room. Something might be there. Like, I know we get it. 
we get it. But the, the couple times I was like, like at the beginning when um, she was escaping the boyfriend's house and mm-hmm. how they sh- they showed how how open his house was. Yeah, it's like. I thought it was so cool. It's like this great contradiction of like outside there's so much life because there's an ocean and it looks beautiful. But from when inside, it's cold. It's lifeless. Even though there's so much space and so much view of the outside, it's still dead on the inside. Yeah, like sleeping. Not like um, Beauty and the Beast. Explain. <laughs> she was trapped in this big fucking castle. Oh, I'm thinking thinking Sleeping Beauty for some reason. Uh, Because I said sleeping, and then I was like, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) What did you, okay, what did you think about the, um, oh, because we didn't say at the top of the, uh, did we say at the top of this episode that the theme, the connection is toxic relationships? Yeah, we didn't say it. Yeah, the theme of this episode is toxic relationships. So what did you think about the toxic relationship that they use for this film? Do you think they convey the mesh as well? Um, yes and no. Mm. I think her reaction to him, Elizabeth Moss is a great actress. Her yeah. reaction to even the idea of him was authentic. Yeah. Even, even with her relationship with her sister and like as she watches her die, I felt like that was more realistic because she oh, was that in was really shock. Believable. Yeah. And then she starts to break down. Yeah. Um, like, I feel... I felt like that was authentic. I don't think the entire situation between him and her did. Oh, between... Like, her reaction to him. There's two parts, right? There's how people react with each other. And uh. then there's actual baggage that, that happens. Things that actually happen and how the relationship actually is. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go hand in hand. But I feel like... Her reaction to him is authentic. To the, the ex-boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the issues between them were not explained very well. Mm, okay. Or they were rushed or they were really unbelievable because they were too huge. Okay. I gotcha. You think that might have that might have helped out the, um, if she was able to give like better examples or more examples of how bad the relationship is? Because she, she did say that like he's very controlling and how he's almost like almost like a mind reader you know like uh, well i think they purposefully did not mm, okay. build on it mm. because they wanted they didn't want you to be able to predict her ex that much oh, okay gotcha so like if you know him then you're gonna predict his next move mm-hmm. Or whatever he does next won't be believable or something. So they kind of had to take some of the reality out of it. Okay. Um, but I don't think it was that believable. Okay. Um, I thought the beginning, the beginning of the film really kind of, sh- without saying so many words, it really kind of, I felt it kind of explained well the toxic relationship between the two. You know, the fact that she has to like, struck this guy to get out yeah like that super secret and like she had she had this plan she Mm -hmm. had a plan like probably months in advance who her stupid sister could not keep up with the fucking plan for some reason um i thought that was really great uh but it seemed like kind of like during the middle of the film she was just kind of repeating herself uh like in various ways of various ways of how much of a bad person he is Mm -hmm. and it almost seemed like she was the only one who knew this like at all yeah. I'm not saying that like I'm not saying there has to be witnesses, but I feel like in this case she there could have been something else. Like somebody could have been like, "Oh yeah, he's trash." 
right than 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 just her word right um so i think that would have really helped the whole idea of the toxic relationship or better conveyed that message i do like the fact that she does there there is like a couple times she does outsmart him even though he's like this super smart genius so i do like the fact that she was she was kind of almost like because he's like he's a step ahead of her in almost every scene Mm -hmm. except for like two parts which those those two parts was like a great reveal or like yeah she's like she's she's her character is developing better yeah so i also don't like the fact that she wants to know because she's so average and she comes from an average upbringing why her and he never answers it that's another thing that yeah that bothered me ever like you would want to know why this person like is it because she's so smart that she's probably the only one who could beat him? Mm-hmm. I guess. Because I didn't get that it, sense yeah, from her at all. They never really said that or anything. And don't get me wrong, she's not much of a looker. No, she's not. Yeah. So, um, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I did enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are some plot holes and everything, but it's not bad. I'm actually glad that um, this is not setting up. I thought they were going to set up for like, you know, the dark universe that they even tried to set up a few times already. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I read, Universal Pictures is like, no, we're just going to do like an individual film. Um, the story that it's based off of, was that one more supernatural or technology based? H.G. Well, Wells Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. It's science and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's made from like, the story comes from like, the like later 1800s or something like that early 1900s so they've basically updated the story because basically yeah there's no way that this guy could have a suit made of cameras yeah back in that time yeah and the original it's chemicals but what happens that he gets stuck like that and it's not about like a toxic relationship it's just about him just going mad so but science you know science in comic books turns supernatural Mm. you know like uh like daredevil yeah that's true yeah um I actually really like this is just basically purely technology based. Yeah. Because for me, mm-hmm. that part was believable because they do that with, with speakers, how they oh, made okay. the suit with cameras. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the cameras were meant to project its surroundings in a way that yeah, your it's eye could light. Yeah. Um, speakers can do that. Speakers can deflect like match whatever sound or sounds that are in your environment to cancel them out oh okay wow you know that um and i think that's how noise canceling oh, that's headphones how work oh too. okay um yeah that that technology part is cool like it it's not it's not too much out of the realm of possibility of how they were showing exactly so i thought that yeah i i definitely like the updated version instead of making it like oh he drank a chemical now he turned invisible it's like no he had a suit on yeah <laughs> so that was pretty cool um that's all i got for that do you have anything else nope i think we're done yay we get to go on to variety time all right this week we are i like that i like that yay (laughs) we're doing try this not that Woo! we actually got some things to tell you guys about y'all uh i'll go first uh all right so i checked out uh season two of narcos mexico um i was in the middle of season one and then i stopped watching it and then season two came out and i was like all right let me go ahead and finish season one so i marathon season one 
push my homework aside, <laughs> which was a bad thing, um, and then caught up to season two. Okay, I'm on epi- I left off on episode five, and I think there's like ten episodes this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really invested in Narcos Mexico. Um, I really liked the story. I really liked Michael Pena's character who played Kiki. Mm-hmm. And I liked how him and Diego Lugan's character, uh, Felix, were, it was like a cat and mouse kind of thing, but they never interacted with each other. Yeah. Kind of remind me of this Michael Mann movie called Heat. Um, so it was really good. And then um, at the end of that season, uh, I really felt the death of one of the characters. I was just like, damn. Even though, I mean, even though it's history that like this character dies in real life and they even kind of show you in the first episode like this is not gonna be a happy ending yeah so but when it's when it still happened i was just like wow that's fucked up because you don't expect it to happen that way and not the first season especially yeah yeah so this season they introduce this character is played by scoot mcneary he plays walt uh Prislin. um i don't know how authentic the story is now since we're in season two but i feel like they're missing something now I don't know, maybe because it's not as realistic. I'm sure, like, I mean, I'm sure there's an actual operation and everything because um, the DEA and the government has kind of, like, pulled back from going into this drug war with the Mexican cartel. But there's really, like, a secret group that's, like, trying to get the Felix and everything. While at the same time, uh, Diego Luna's character is trying to, like, take control of the heroin, of the cocaine Com- uh, industry mm-hmm. from like the Colombians and from the Cali cartel and from uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one with the from Narcos, the first Narcos, the bad guy from the first Narcos, yeah, the guy we we liked in the first Narcos. Oh, um, uh, Escobar, Pablo Escobar, yeah, yeah, Pablo Escobar. I was trying to say, I was like, Chapo, no, we no, didn't get that. I do like yet. that, I do like that Chapo's in this. Is in is yeah. in Narcos Mexico. I'm like, yo, this Chapo. Man, yeah, and he's also like not a big deal yet. Yeah, uh, but like I don't know. It feels like I'm missing something. I'm just not as invested into it now. There, it's not warm. Like, even though Pablo Escobar was such a bad guy, it mm-hmm. was really warm. It was like still family centric. Even yeah. though he was such a fucking cheat and he was always with these women and stuff. He yeah. still really loved his wife and his family. Yeah. And he was trying to keep everybody kind of safe and sane and everything. Yeah. And you got a sense that, like, Papa Escobar was really doing it for his people. Yeah. Like, he would put, he would put money into the streets, into these families, and, like, rebuild, like, these homes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because who gives a shit about whoever's buying the drugs? It's their problem, and they got all the money anyway, so. Yeah. This one seems less like that. It seems more like Felix is just really just trying to build his empire, but it's just like, to what end? Yeah. You know, he's going to build an empire. You can only, like, get so close to the sun before your wings burn off. Yeah. So I'm getting a sense of that. Plus, like, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that Scoop McNeary is this kind of... I like Scoop McNeary. He's a really good actor. But his character is just kind of like, it seems like him and his group are f- flying off the, off the seam of their pants. I guess that's the term. Flying by the seat so, of your pants. Yeah. So it's it's it doesn't seem... I'm a, Don't get me wrong. I am still enjoying it, but I'm not as enjoying it as the first season. And I haven't gotten to the season finale, so I don't know what's, what's to come if they're going to continue with a third season. I think Narcos... The first Narcos went for, like, what, three seasons, right? And then this one's two. So they might push it for the third season. There's no news of it being greenlit or anything. Maybe maybe they um, start bringing Chapo up. 
They could bring Chapo up. But like I said, I, I don't know if they've already... Well, yeah, the movie, the series is based in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they could bring in Chapo. I mean, he's already there. But his character his character's not as compelling. Not yet. Oh, that's true. Well, that, that dude has to do some serious growth if he wants to make his character compelling. Because, I mean, it's Chapo, but at the same time, I'm just like, I don't care about Chapo. I like seeing him, but not enough to like... They I don't see give him enough story yet. Like, yeah. You know, like you get the story from the other two. Yeah. They don't, because it's not about him yet. Yeah, so they'll true. probably give you more of his story when it is about him. That's true. Um, I do like Diego Luna's performance. Love that man's acting and follows his career since like his early days in like Mexican cinema. Um, like I said, it's it's good to watch. I'm enjoying it. I'm just not enjoying it as I as I would like to. But I, I'm I am I haven't got a chance to finish it because I've I've just started school, so I'm a little like I don't know. I'm a little like all right. I'll come back to it. No one's really talking about Narcos Mexico right now, so I'm not gonna get spoiled or anything. So, yeah. Um, so I mean it's it's a try this if you haven't if you haven't really been picking up on Narcos I mean I don't even know if you should really, I don't even know if you have to watch the original Narcos to know what's going on. No, so. you don't have to watch the original Narcos. Yeah. I will say, as a person who likes to play on my phone while I'm watching stuff, you cannot yeah, do that don't with the do series. That. Yeah, unless like you know Spanish, like yeah, you're, you're if you know go. Spanish, sure. But if you don't, you need to watch the subtitles, yeah. and they talk so fast that the subtitles go kind of quick too. Yeah, have you even tried to put it on to, to put it on dubbed English? No, I don't even know. If there's a setting for that. I do like I do like seeing that shit in Spanish. I like I like mixing cinema. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the I love reading the. Like Spanish I don't stuff. mind the subtitles. I just need to be in the mindset to read them. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. Season one was more engaging. I think because you were getting more of Kiki's side, mm-hmm. and season two you're getting more of Felix's side. But Felix, you're just seeing how much of a dick Felix is. Yeah, has become more of an asshole. You're not getting much of of Scoot McNeary's side. Like you've already you've already seen like how Felix like fucked over his friends in the first season, mm-hmm. and it was like cool. Well, how much worse can he get? Yeah, you know, and especially he, what he did to his first wife. Yeah, it was his first wife, and when he did the to Rafa, and when he did to fucking Don Nieto and everything. I was mm-hmm. like, that's fucked up, man. But then it's like, well, who else? Well, can he- Rafa kind of. Rafa, yeah, Rafa did kind of fuck things up on his own. Yeah. But, like, at this one, you're just like, all right, well, who the hell the fuck is going to fuck over? Like, I don't know. I, if I, I would hope, I don't know how season two is going to end, but I would hope that, like, maybe season two, the end of season two is going to be, like, his fall. That would be great to see his fall. Uh, I would, that's, like, uh, probably the the high point, I think, of this guy's story arc is not so much the rise, like, with Pablo Escobar. mm but more the fall. Like, okay, let's be fucking done with you and move on to the next bad guy. Yeah, yeah. So Even though he's pretty to look at. Diego Luna? Mm-hmm. He is a handsome gentleman. He's very handsome. <laughs> but uh, speaking of handsome, Kelsey. Yeah. What show are you watching? Or did, I'm sorry, what show did you fucking binge watch? <laughs> I binge watched I Am Not Okay With This. Mm-hmm. What's that about? A teenage girl okay, who moved to a shitty part of Pennsylvania, mm. who does not get along with her mother and does her best to try to take care of her brother. Sounds familiar. Um, she doesn't have a lot of friends in school. 
Sounds familiar. She's super sarcastic. Wow. Sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, and she isn't quite sure what's going on, but like she sees things mm. and it's almost like if she's making them happen, mm. like telekinesis type things. Or like super strength. Right? So or super strength. Yeah. And she's not sure. Like she's, she thinks that she's going crazy. Mm. So they play with the idea. Like, is she really, does she really have these powers mm. or is she really kind of fucking crazy? Yeah. They do play with that idea. Um, who's this? Um, so where's this show come from? Netflix. Mm. Of course. Um, the synopsis is, which I should have probably read first. <laughs> Sydney is a teenage girl navigating the trials and tribulations of high school while dealing with the complexities of her family, her budding sexuality and mysterious superpowers just beginning to awaken deep within her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot say enough about this show. Why is that? <sighs> oh God, she found Kelsey. For y'all don't know, Kelsey found a show that she fucking loves. <laughs> I just say that. Okay, bear the lead. I'm gonna have to tell you guys maybe a couple of little personal things about me. Mm. The reason is, first of all, did high school in Pennsylvania. Mm. I know what kind of a shitty state it can be in certain parts. Um, I have a huge capacity for emotion that people usually don't understand mm-hmm. um and that you know so I, it really causes me anxiety and depression issues mm. um and i feel like she you know the character sydney also has these same issues like she's obviously dealing with a lot of things and she's in high school so she's I think they do a really great job depicting how angry a teenage girl could be, Mm -hmm. but it's so believable and you can actually even see yourself as an adult in that person too, because sometimes it's just a part of who person is. It never quite goes away, but as you get older, you learn how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Who's a uh, who's the girl who plays uh, Sydney? So Sydney is played. Her name is Sydney Novak. She is played by Sophia Lillis, and she played the redheaded girl in It. Yeah, Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Wyatt Olaf, who plays another Stanley. Yeah, Stan- he's just another Stan. Yeah, Stanley from It is Stanley from I'm not okay with this. <laughs> Um, Sophia Bryant. I really yeah, like that's her. Yeah, that's the friend, right? That's her friend, Dina. Yeah. She, I... I, I, I so I've seen I, her somewhere, I think. I did like, um... <laughs> ver- <laughs> I, I remember I, I told you about... I, I didn't tell you about this show. I, I was just like, yo, I found a show that I think best describes you. Or, like, there's a show that reminds me of you. And you're like, what show? And I, I sent you the trailer. And I think, like... You said the trailer was too long, but I I already really like it. Yeah, the trailer was like a really long trailer, mm. which is weird because it's only seven episodes and they're each like twenty to thirty minutes. Yeah, it was like a two minute trailer, wasn't it? Like two minute and forty seconds or something. Something like that it was long, and I'm like, 
on my lunch break. Uh-huh. And my lunch break is such that it takes me 20 minutes to go to pick up my daughter from school. Then I have her in my car for another five minutes. Mm. So that's 25 minutes already. I got another 10 minutes or to, 10 to, to like 15 minutes to make a couple sandwiches and scarf them down. Yeah. And then I have 15 minutes to get back to work. Yeah. So like, oh, like, fuck, I want to watch this trailer, <laughs> but I can't. But I already love it. So whatever. I'll just start watching the show tonight. Yeah. And did you, did you binge watch it in one sitting? Or? No. Uh, I tried, ah. but first of all, I was watching it with my 12-year-old, mm-hmm. um, and we got the first four episodes in, or five episodes, oh, Okay. and then I went to bed, mm. and then I watched it the next day. So, this show, the show that's... Um, you binge-watched it in one sitting. I did binge-watch it in one sitting, once again, pushing my homework to the side. <laughs> Um, the show is created by Jonathan uh, and Twistle and Twistle from the end of the fucking world and Chrissy Chrissy Hall, which this is actually her first show, like at all, mm-hmm. anything. I've I've checked her IMDb. She has she has a producer credit and a writing credit in this for this show, which I'm very fucking impressed. Maybe they're friends. Yeah, I would I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I know it's from what I heard, it's based off a comic book, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's by the same name. Uh. But yeah, this I really I I actually really dug this show, um, especially like the whole adolescence thing. I'm a sucker for coming of age stories, and so the whole adolescence thing was really uh, was really great to watch. Um, that sounds creepy. <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is your pick. So why? What else did you like about it? I loved the music. What's the name of the band? Blood Witch, right? Yeah, Blood Witch. Like, that sounds like some feminazi fucking period cult or some shit. Yeah, you said it was kind of reminiscent of what XX, right? Yeah. I can, I can do- totally see that. It, it sounded to me like XX, but mm. like more, a little more rock. Just a tiny bit more. Oh, okay. But they had uh, the bass that I like because I'm more of a bass girl than I am a guitar. Because you're all about that bass. About that oh, bass, my God. Shut up, Megan Trainer. Mad travel. Okay, go on. <laughs> uh, so what else did you like about it? I liked the relationships between the characters. Who? Um, Sydney and Stanley, right? Sydney and Stanley. Mm. Sydney and Dina. Sydney and her mother. Sydney and her brother. <laughs> okay. Sydney and her father. Sydney and her teachers. <laughs> wow, Sid- this Sydney sounds such like a likable character. I'm surprised she has a bad time at all in this TV show. You know what I like? Hmm. She has short hair. And one time I had hair that was short like that because uh, my stepmother got tired of my hair because it was, you know, I got lice from somebody. <laughs> okay. And my hair is really thick, and she couldn't get rid of it. So even with a prescription, mm. so like prescription shampoo. So she took um, a razor comb mm. and cut all my hair off, which was very painful. Dude, Jesus. And then one day I was walking outside with my short hair and some like cleaning company. They had like <coughs> those vans. They have like a big industrial vacuum on the inside of it with like a long hose. Mm. He was coming. He was there like at one of the other units because I part of my childhood i grew up in a condo Mm. 
and um, I was walking by, and you, the guy was like, uh, hello, young man. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Hey, at least he acknowledged you. <laughs> yes, I am a man. That's so messed up. <laughs> um, I really like the kid that played her brother. Yeah, what's that cat's name? That dude was actually really... Uh, not Stanley Barber. Um, Maggie. Oh, uh, Aiden. Aiden Wojcik. His song. His brother. Her brother name was Liam. Yeah, he was a he was a cool kid. I I dug him. He was pretty funny. Yeah. Plus, um, I think you really enjoyed the food that he made in the show. Oh yeah, he made this nasty ass dish. It was like mac and cheese, syrup, ketchup, salmon. Salmon, a mm, salmon, so good. A one sauce and everything. She bit it and she was like, "It's surprisingly good." And I was like, "You're a fucking liar." <laughs> um, I can't talk anymore about the show lest I give it away. Yeah, you, don't, you definitely don't want to do that. The only thing I can say is that you know something is going to happen at the end, mm. and it's so funny because they give you the good thing that you want. Mm. And then whatever happens next kind of negates it. Mm. And it does it in such a way where you're like, what the fuck? Like, I saw your face and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I kind of thought, I, I we, we're not going to spoil it. I did think like, oh, my God, I think they're going to go there. They're going to go there. And I was like, all right, they're going to go there. And then what happened, I was still like shocked. Like, holy shit, they fucking went there. Because it was almost comical how they did it. Yeah. But it was like, like. Almost like they brought you back to reality the way they did it. Yeah. And at the same time, I was just, I kept thinking, wow, what the fuck? Where the fuck are they going to go? Like, mm -hmm. what's second season going to be? Like, how crazy is second season going to be? Yeah. Because of this shit happened in front of, like, all these people. Yeah. So that was that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did like it. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of upset that there's only, what, seven episodes? Seven. And they're only 20 to 30 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. Like and there, I haven't heard any news about like a second season, but yo, they gotta be a second season with this. And honestly, though, I think it's a good a good idea that they did it that way because I think sometimes you have longer seasons and longer episodes, and they have to put filler in there because they don't really know where to go with it. Yeah. And this is full. There's nothing in there that's filler. Um. Yeah. There's no news. I'm not okay with this. Talks unconscious. I'm not okay with it. But it is Netflix's top ten to watch. Yeah, the producer talks. Let me see. Um, it says about the producers are talking about a second season, but nothing that says like, yeah, we are doing a definite second season. I hope so. That'd be so great. Yeah. Well, they definitely set it up for one. So. Yeah. All right. So is that it? That's yeah. that's all you got. That's all I got. I see, but I just please watch it, please. Begging. <laughs> Please watch it and then tell me that you watched it and then tell me how much you love it mm -hmm. and then tell me how much you want another season to come out. Mm -hmm. And it will pass along to people on Netflix because, you know, we know those people. We're cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and I want to geek out with people about it. All right. So let's move on to our geriatric cinematic review of The War of the Roses. This is the most romantic day of my whole life. This is the story we're going to tell our grandchildren. Barbara and Oliver Rose. Wait a minute, wait, 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 what's your name? Barbara! They met 
great. I love rain. God, I love it too. They agreed on that. Are you happy? I'm more than happy. I'm married. This house is so beautiful. And we live here. House, car, boy, girl, puppy, kitty. The poor bastard's never had a chance. Your crystal is lovely. Back around. I didn't know anything about this before I met Oliver. <laughs> My mother bought her glasses at the AMP, you know, the kind with the rays. It always starts with the little things. And that phony laugh. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, all right, maybe overdid it. Let me have it. If love is blind, now I got you. Marriage is like having a stroke. When I watch you eat. When I look at you lately, I just want to smash your face in. Smash my face. That came out in 1989, and the synopsis of that is a married couple try everything to get each other to leave the house in a vicious divorce battle. Directed by Danny DeVito, who is best known for Duplex in 2003 and Matilda in 1996. It was written by Warren Adler uh, as a book, and then Michael Leeson as a screenplay. Michael Leeson worked on The Bill Engvall Show, 20 Good Years, and The Cosby Show. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, stars Michael Douglas as Oliver Rose, Kathleen Turner as Barbara Rose, Danny DeVito as Gavin D'Amato, um, Marianne Sagebrecht. Sagebrecht. Uh, Susan, Sean Astin as Josh, and like... Josh and Carolyn are the kids. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Sean Astin and Heather Fairfield. Um, I don't know where to begin on this one. <laughs> I don't know what it is like. Uh, I have to kind of preface this. Well, with two things first. It's an old okay. movie. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. Second of all, I don't know what it is with the older movies. Mm. I was always under the assumption that... They were so outdated, you couldn't relate with them. Mm. Or they're so outdated, um, they're boring. Okay. Like, and we've come across these ones from like the 80s, maybe early 90s, Mm. where they're clever or they're funny or they're just really engaging. Mm. Um, And this is one of those. Okay. I mean, I I think that kind of goes into the fact that like, they, uh, who who said it? I think it was like I think it was Plateau. He said like every 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 story that could ever be told has already been told. And I guess did you say Plateau? You mean Plato? Is it the same thing? No, it's Plato. No, I don't. No, I'm talking about the toy. <laughs> no, I'm talking about yeah, Plato. Sorry, okay. Plato. <laughs> um, or is it? Was it the guy with the S? Second curious. Anyway. Um, one of them had, was uh, a, a Greek philosopher said uh, every story, every single story that could be told has ever has already been told. But I think that kind of goes to the fact that like the reason why we heard them is because they are such a they are such a timely story, mm-hmm. and they're so relatable. And this is just in for War of the Roses, it's a very relatable story. Yeah, it's about a divorce. It's done to an, an extreme mm-hmm. where they're like. Michael Douglas and Kathleen Kathleen Turner are like literally trying to murder each other for this fucking house. Um, I have a crush on Kathleen Turner. Yo, she was fucking sexy in this movie. Holy shit. Like, it wasn't even about her looks because 
she looked like a woman, mm. like a really strong woman. Like, mm. so she, yeah, she was beautiful, but her voice too kind of sealed it. Like, cause she has like a, like a deeper voice. Like everything about her is like woman. There's nothing girlish mm. about her, Yeah, but she's not, she, even though she was older, she wasn't old. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. I think, I think when we were watching, I said that like Kathleen Turner, um, she has a look that could be very like vixen, like old time, like Natalie Wood type actress, like from the fifties and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. very beautiful and wonderful looking, and you know, floating down the stairs and whatever. Yeah. And then later she can look like trailer trash. Yeah. But still like kind of sexy. <laughs> um. I remember watching this as a kid and being traumatized a bit because like how brutally like honest they were with each other at near the end and how like they were just fucking trying to murder each other mm-hmm. of course i'm like i'm like seven eight nine seven ten years old or whatever watching this movie and i shouldn't be and i'm just like that's what marriage is about well fuck this i'll never do this um then there's a part where michael douglas gets his dick bitten and i was just like oh fuck i'm never getting married i'm never having sex ever <laughs> um but i i i still i even I haven't seen this movie for a while, I still enjoy the story. Um, I like how at the beginning, the story is very fairy tale esque Yeah. Even like the way how it's shot. Dan DeVito does a great job directing this movie. Mm-hmm. And he shoots it like a stage play, which from what I saw, it's been turned into a stage play. So it's, it's, it's got all the fixings. Yeah. Um, and I do like how Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas are playing mind games with each other. Mm-hmm. And how each one is trying to like sabotage their career, um, like how Michael Douglas like interrupts her at dinner, her big dinner party. Mm-hmm. He does it very crass, yeah. Um, but she does it very smartly by like fucking up his car, yeah. Because <laughs> she knows like, oh, I'm gonna attack his car. That's the thing he cares more than me, you know, as as her. Um, there was one thing that you I can't remember what you said. There's something you said. I, it just escaped me about the relationship. Okay, now I remember. Now I remember. The part where Michael Douglas um, had a heart attack. Supposedly had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen Turner doesn't show up. Doesn't go. Doesn't see him in the hospital. And she tells him why she didn't show up. And she pretty much says like, "When I th- thought of you dying, put a smile on my face." Yeah. And I, I wanted to get your your input on that because I've never been married. Um, so I've never gone through that whole divorce process, but you've been married. Mm-hmm. So you've gone through the whole divorce process. And I know you're the, and I was there during this process and I know it wasn't that ugly. Yeah. Like you guys weren't trying to like kill each other with like a chandelier or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But when she said that, is that something that ever went through your mind that you're just like, yeah, I, I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, first of all, for me, it sounds like for her. That was the moment she realized she didn't love him anymore. Mm. And I went through that because there was a, there was one morning where I had already kind of spilled the beans to him that I was thinking about divorce. Your husband, your, your ex-husband now. Yeah. Mm. And I still kind of wasn't sure because one, it was a, a life change. We had kids. Um, you guys have been married for like, what, 10 years, right? Almost. Mm-hmm. And there was one morning I woke up for work. I used to wake up really early in the morning at like 
because I had to work at a warehouse. Mm. Um, and so he woke up with me and he was doing, you know, started doing these things where he was like, he wanted to be playful, you know, let me show her I love her, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And um, so like he had his arms around me mm. and like he fell back onto the bed. So I had no choice but to like fall onto him. Mm. And he told me he loved me mm. and I could not just something was blocking me. I just could not say it back. Yeah. That was the first time that ever happened. Really? Um, and after that, like, because I had told him before that I had, the thought had crossed my mind, but I had never said I want a divorce. So you told, or, so when you said the thought had crossed your mind, and you told him that it was a... Did you tell him it was a possibility? Uh, I had told him that it's been... Like, I've been thinking about it. Oh, but okay. not, like, seriously thinking about it. But, yeah. like... Like, I don't even like joking. There was a time where I told him I don't even like joking about... Oh, that's my future ex-wife or whatever. Because mm. he... There was a time where it was funny and then it stopped being funny because I wasn't happy. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be a reality. Oh, okay. And then, you know, but I, I came to a point then where I was like, um, you know, I'm this thought crossed my mind. And then he blamed me for a shitty interview he had. Okay. Because he was going to interview that day for a new job. And that's it was very, my fault that, that he... That is a very dickish thing. Yeah. So... He got me back anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was the first day that I had realized that I I just could not say it back. Mm. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced that. I just, I couldn't. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced it to that severity. Um. I mean, I've I've been in multiple relationships, and I've gone to a point where I'm just like, I don't like that person, or I don't love that person. But not, I don't. That for you, as I, from what I, from my point of view, as I see it, to you and your relationship, that's like a heavy. That is a heavy thing, especially mm -hmm. something that like, you know, because like you can be in a relationship, and you might be like thinking like, well, maybe I shouldn't be with this person. Something's not fitting right, and right. sometimes sometimes it kind of just like falls apart on its own. You're just like, all right, well, that didn't work out. But, you know, as as you, Kelsey, you were married for the guy for almost 10 years. You moved states. You had two kids. You're, like, building a life together. Or you guys were, like, halfway there, right? Like, already, we already had a house. We were there. Yeah. And then one day, it just kind of, like, you're just, like, something, something, something as, it wasn't as dramatic as War of the Roses, but something so small, minute of, like, I can't say it back, be it that speaks so, so, so much volume. To what's mm -hmm. going on in your head. Yeah. It's pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Oh, that's life, though. I think the most physical thing I ever did is I threw a can of, uh, not a can, a pot of beans at him. Mm -hmm. And I think we still laugh about that. Oh, really? Well, at least you guys can laugh about that now. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, but back to the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... As um, 
as a the as a disintegration of the relationship. Um, I'll get I'll get your perspective on this because um, you and I were kind of talking about this movie, and um, I think for I think you and I both agree that it was like really a, like a lack of communication between the two. Yeah. So to give a little bit of the backstory too, we were watching this, mm. and I. I made a comment like I could already hear your like maybe off color jokes mm. about well she's a woman or whatever mm. in the back of my head and I think that kind of irritated you a little bit or kind of took you by surprise or something. Oh yeah, because you're a woman. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm totally joking. But no, go on. You have every right to think that. Yeah. Um, and it was bothering me because the movie was bothering me, but not in a way of like it's a bad movie. Mm. Because I know you had asked me if I was okay if the if the content was maybe too much for me because I wasn't a divorce, mm. which it wasn't. Um, but I wanted the message to be taken seriously. Okay, that was important to me. Mm. Um, and so when uh, when we started talking about what the issues actually were, mm. I couldn't make you understand at first what was really going through my mind. Okay. Um, because you, you kind of, you, you were on her side, right? Yeah. But a lot of the comments you were making were like, she didn't do this right because she didn't start from square one. Yeah. We're talking about the scene in the movie where like, um, it's during Christmas and, uh, Michael Douglas plugs in the Christmas tree and the light flickers for a second and then turns back on and he's just like, oh, probably like, uh, an ornament's touching a bulb, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's later revealed that, like, no, it was a short, and the, the house almost burns down. Yeah. And she gives him this look, like, yeah, the order was such a light. And I remember being like, oh, fucking bitch. Because I, I, cause at the beginning, I, I, took, I, I, I took the message wrong, because I was just like, yo, your, your house almost burned down. Why are you still, like, stabbing the dude in the chest? Yeah. That's how I was taking it. But, I, but then I, I, did, I did start seeing her side of, like, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the point. Yeah. She, and I think they purposefully did this, right? They didn't, it was almost like a marriage itself. Like the movie is about a marriage, but mm. the movie is a marriage. Yeah. Like these two characters were living this life together and mm. he got so, he got successful. He had her support and everything. And then his world became about him. Yeah. It did not become about them. It was about him. Mm. And no matter what she had to say, he was not there for it. No mm. matter what she wanted, he was not there for it. Mm. The movie doesn't do a super great job of showing you that dynamic. They mm. kind of do show it like a little bit. Yeah. And mostly they just show you like as they get further along, they're disdain for each other kind of grows a little bit yeah um and i think you're so focused on that that you don't really understand what the issues are Mm. the same way you do in a real marriage yeah so that's why i'm saying the movie is a marriage yeah because the 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 characters are not listening to each other the same way you're not exactly picking up all the cues in the film 
Yeah, it was doing this weird thing where, like, at the beginning of the movie, you saw the be- the beginning of the relationship is very like romantic, very fairy tale. Then you see like the early years of the marriage where they have kids. It's beautiful. It's Christmas. They're working hard, and then it does this weird thing where it like it was not weird. It it jumps. The time jumps, and the husband is successful, and the wife wants to. She wants to start building her own business. And you you start seeing the cracks like right there, mm-hmm. and then it just it does this great leap to just be like, and the marriage is shit. Yeah. So you don't really see you don't see the the full uh, disintegration of the marriage. You just see like the first step of the disintegration, and it's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I remember going like, damn, like they didn't communicate that well. And then and then I th- I believe you turned me around. You were just like, well, that was the point. They, they didn't want to show you the lack of communication because the film is the lack of communication, which explains within the film the lack of communication. Yeah, which I thought was really great. It was like it was like a subconscious. Well, I'm sure it was consciously done by by Danny DeVito, but like it kind of like lets you kind of take it in subconsciously to make you really think about what you just watched. Right, which I thought was really great. I like the duplicitous nature of it in the sense that you're watching. You you feel the relationship mm. without without being fully aware of what's wrong with it until the point where it can't be fixed. Yeah, the same way you would in a real relationship. Mm. Um, and that's what I really liked about it because then you start to remember what was wrong in your own relationship, and then you can kind of go back in the movie and be like, mm. "Oh yeah, that's what was wrong in the movie." Yeah, this movie, it's not like it's not like marriage story where you're just like, oh man, this is hard to watch. There are a bit a bit of comedy sprinkled throughout the movie. It's, it's, a, it's a dark humor. Yeah, it's a, it's a dark comedy and everything. And even like the parts where like they're going at it is kind of funny. Like there's this great scene I was cracking up where um where you can tell that the father uh, Michael Douglas' character is a dog person, and Kathleen Turner is a cat person, and how Michael Douglas does not like the cat that's mm-hmm. in the house. And at one point, they're like they're like talking, and Michael Douglas is kind of like he's almost trying to talk her out of like doing this business of Kathleen Turner from doing this business venture, but he just like casually just like throws the cat off the chair. Like, and I was just like, oh, that's funny. But at the same time, I was like, yo, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> like, like it's like it's like it's like if he, it's like if if he could, if he could snap and like give her a smack, he would have. But instead, he did it on the cat, and it's funny because he's like he's like backhanding her without backhanding her, and she had her back turned. She yeah. didn't even see it. Yeah, exactly. So he's like sneakily like kind of being a prick about it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was really funny is like when the focus of their their attention is on the house because mm-hmm. Kathy Turner's like I built the house I added all this I made it to perfection and Michael Douglas is like well my money made your perfection but mm-hmm. she's like no my hard work gave it the perfection and everything right and how he becomes obsessed with trying to get to the house but like he does it on a more uh, possession level, mm-hmm. and she does it more on a mental level. Like, no, this house has memories, and this house is beauty because of what I did to it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, it's this shows that I'm successful. Yeah. 
So which shows like the split dynamics between the two, like one, like how they are. Almost yeah, like she's opposite. like, okay, I I put all this stuff in it, and for him it was like, no, I own everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't care about this house until you cared about it. Now I don't want you to have it. Yeah, and then he tried to find like reasons, like, oh, she wouldn't have bought that if I didn't push her to buy it. Mm-hmm. Which I was just like, dude, this is being a dick move, man. Like, that's like that's like saying oh, that guy's successful because I gave him a pencil. To write his ideas down. It's, it's, so, it's so stupid. Um, one thing I wanted to point out about the movie that really bothered me, I mean, he deserted, but at the same time, Al, is um, when they're in the basement. They, now, Michael Douglas has boarded up the house. He thinks that she fed him his dog, which is revealed that that, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're in the attic and they're fighting and stuff like that because she has the high ground. You know, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> and, like, he tries to do the whole Clark Gable from Gone with the Wind thing, where he just thinks, like, oh, if I fuck her, this will be better. Like, oh, Everything yeah. will be fine. And he almost, like, he almost rapes her. Yeah. And not, not a violent, like, oh, turn off your clothes, but just, like, like kiss it. And it that sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go into it? We don't have to. No, just that sounds familiar. Okay. a good enough comment. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's fuck. This is wrong. This is so wrong. But I do like the fact that she turned around and she ended up biting his dick. <laughs> and then what makes it even fun. That's not familiar. I didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, first of all, when, yo, a man's dick, you don't even have to bite it. Just graze it. Just, whew, we're out. That's it. We're done. It's funny because y'all are scratching and. Yeah, because that's. Because we, cause we know our strength. Like, we're just like, oh, scratch. Women be like, ah, I just go at it and shit. And then we're crying. But I thought. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, then we're crying. <laughs> but I thought it was funny how she, like, biz dick. He's like, ow. Like, he's, like, screaming and everything. And she grabs his legs and just pushes him. Like, just, Through the hole in the attic yeah, ceiling and, and falls onto down. the floor. I thought that was really yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> and and in all and all this chaos and everything, he actually like never really hit her. Like she's the one who like I'm not saying I'm not saying he didn't deserve. It. He definitely deserved it. But like she was the one like throwing blows at him and shit like that. Um, she even ran over his car to the point where it looked like he would not be able to make it out. Yeah. But here's the thing, I feel like he started it, and yeah, he did, but in such a way that her cat went missing, and she didn't know what happened to that cat. She had a suspicion that it was him. Mm-hmm. And he actually did kill her cat by accident. Yeah, by pure accident, yeah. But then he didn't tell her about it, and he let her suffer. Mm. And even when she had the opportunity to kill his dog and be fucked up about it, yeah, she, she didn't, didn't, didn't do. kill the dog. Why didn't she tell him, though? Why did she tell him she, she didn't did? tell him. I, I, I don't know if I missed it, but I don't remember her telling she her. She never like, told him that she didn't kill the dog. Yeah. Because she wanted him to suffer. But the thing is... He was using everything he could to hurt her. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if he was hurting anybody else. Mm. And she was using everything she could to hurt him. Mm. As long as it wasn't hurting anybody else. Mm. Except for the kids, obviously. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I remember they, I think, I think he said or she said, but they they both said like the kids are off limits. Like they won't use the kids whatsoever to like fight, and, and they didn't. Yeah, and, that, and I've I've heard horror stories of people going through divorces. They use their kids as a weapon mm-hmm. against their former significant other. Um, don't get me wrong; like the, some of the stuff she does, it is pretty extreme. 
like the 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 scene where it seems like he's feeding him his dog mm-hmm. was pretty fucked up to especially yeah. do that. But at the same time, it's it's a mind game. Um, but I don't know. It seems like one thing. Oh, here's one thing that really. Here's one thing that I thought was really really fucked up. The letter that she used against him when mm-hmm. they were going through like divorce divorce proceedings, and he wrote this letter as. It, Michael Douglas wrote this letter as he thought he was going to die, saying, like, I owe everything to you. You helped me with his career, and I couldn't do it without you. And she, like, turns that letter and gives it to her lawyer. And the lawyer's like, oh, this is a binding contract saying you owe everything. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, that is, first of all, that would have pissed me the fuck off. (laughs) Like, right there with a capital S. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're essentially using my weakest moment against me. And right there, you've, like. I've essentially just cut you off. Like you are now. That's how that. that that's me. Uh-huh. Like if you use my, if you use uh one of my most weakest moments against me, you're basically dead to me now. Yeah. Because you're taking advantage. Oh so, well, I know what I'm gonna do next. You, you don't want to talk to me anymore? No, I'm trying to get rid of you. Oh, don't do, <laughs> don't do that. Your life will go to shit. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the one who makes it better. Uh, but yeah, that part was. That part was fucked up. What that that wouldn't be admissible in a divorce court, would it? I don't think so. Probably not. It has You're... to be notarized. It has to be <laughs> signed in front of a witness. That's true. Yeah. Well, but, technically, he had witnesses. But it was in a moment of distress. Like he thought he was gonna die. I mean, there are times where like I thought I was gonna die, and I'm like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, but there were self self induced moments. No, no, no. There are times where I almost died. And I was like, oh my god, I once put my pants and. Didn't wipe my ass for three days. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I never said that. Um, but yeah, they were both. They were both bad people. Like they, like they had a great marriage, but yo, sometimes it's like just rebuild your shit. I mean, he he wasn't exactly like uh, he wasn't like a shitty lawyer. He was a very successful lawyer, so he could have he could have built himself back up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I was Michael Douglas, I would just give her the house. I'd be like, fine, just take the house. She didn't want. She didn't want alimony. Yeah, she didn't want alimony. She wanted the house. Yeah. And from that, she could build her own business, making pate. Yeah. What which, is pate? I don't know. Oh. Um, it's fancy, fancy meat. <laughs> it is. I know that they technically call the wet cat food pate. Really? So they were. So they were serving each other cat food. Yes. No. <laughs> Pocket, you want some pate? She has pate. Does she? Yeah, oh, she does some, have some pate. But she won't eat it out of the, the container because I think it needs to be put on a plate for her because she doesn't, she licks the top of it and then that, she, that's it. Oh, gotcha. Um, I agree with you that they both were wrong, mm-hmm. but I think he was more wrong because. Yeah, I don't know. I don't all she that. wanted was the house, she didn't want alimony. She wasn't asking for anything, mm. just the house. Yeah. And he said, no, you're not getting anything from me. Yeah. And she, and then it comes to a point, like, I don't know if you've ever been backed up against the wall to this point, but I always roll over. Mm. And then I get to a point where, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, yeah. I don't care what the outcome is. I have to do something different than just taking it yeah and it is what it is it's either gonna turn out okay or it's gonna be the worst decision i ever made okay but at least to me like i'm not 
I'm changing something, right? Yeah. Mm. Like when I quit UPS, like I was, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um. So, I see her point in that too. Okay. Um. I see his point, but he's it's just a wrong point. It's a it's a possessive point, and it seems like he's I don't know. It seemed like he he was doing it out of spite a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I mean, but like, I mean, in the end, I mean, what was it? What, what did Joker say? An immovable force against, what is it? An immovable force against. No, an immovable object. Against what? An immovable force? Something like that? I don't think the force is immovable because the force is moving. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the saying either because it's not his saying. It's from the Joker. <laughs> he borrowed it. And there you go. On. Anything um, else that? But I like the. I think the chandelier scene was great. When they were stuck up there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was really funny. Um, an immovable object versus an un- unstoppable force. Ah, there you go. That's unstoppable what it is. force. Yeah, one was an immovable object. The other one was an unstoppable force, and they were going to clash and not move at all. Yeah. Um. I thought it was really great that uh, he was still. It's called the there you go. It's called the uh, irresistible force paradox. Uh, sorry, irresistible uh, force paradox. Um, I thought it was funny that how uh, after the chandelier, had, it, he when they were hanging on the chandelier, he would just he said like, despite all this, I still love you. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even say the same thing. She didn't even say it back to him, did she? No, she didn't. She didn't say it back to him. And then like the chandelier falls. And they both like, uh, they're dead. You they know? didn't die yet. Yeah, they didn't exactly die, but he like puts his hand on her shoulder, like, oh, I still love you. And she puts her hand up and pushes it away. And they both die. Yeah. Which <laughs> is, which, is, which it was the message he wasn't getting. Like, bitch, I don't fucking love you. Mm-hmm. Like, stop it. Yeah. And that's it. That he died. <laughs> they both died. But she still got what she wanted in the end. What, the house? Her freedom. That's true. She got her freedom in death. Yeah. Absolute freedom. Exactly. All right. Anything else you want to add to this great... Oh, so, who did it better? Invisible Man or War of the Roses? War of the Roses. Toxic Relationship? You think yeah. War of the Roses did better? Mm-hmm. I have to agree with that. I have, to, I have to have to agree with that. I just don't think the Invisible Man did... Like, theirs was more dramatic in a scary kind of way, but they mm. also didn't do a great job of making you go through it with her. Yeah, to experience the whole To experience the whole thing. Okay. And you don't get enough of her ex to really understand their relationship. Yeah, you just got a sense of, like, he's just a bad man. He's That's just it. a bad man, and yeah. you get her side the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. In War of the Roses, you get both. You get yeah. both of the bad sides. You you realize you you fully see why that relationship is completely toxic. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Um you can find us on all podcast catchers everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Bye. I I suggest <coughs> after you're done listening on whatever podcast catcher you're listening on now. Mm-hmm. So like say you're listening on Spotify. Yes. Then you should listen again on Podbean. <laughs> okay. Then Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Then Google you know, Play. Google Play. iTunes. Yeah. 
Let's listen to all of them. Just listen, listen to the same episode six times on Even different podcast catchers. Everything that you have planned all week with your friends and your family, mm. you should always tell them, no, I got to watch this. You know, I got to watch. I got to listen to Real Appeal. Yes. Um, I didn't. I watched it all. I listened to it already. <laughs> you watched it. Okay. Some people say watch for podcasts. I don't understand that. Yeah, I try to explain. In, in a couple of my classes, I was I told them that I do a podcast. And one particular class, I was like, yeah, I do a podcast. And they were like, oh, really? Like, what's that about? How you do that? Uh, 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 and I explained to them. And they were just like, oh, so you can, like, see it on YouTube? I was like, no, no, you can, like, listen to it, like, on Spotify or Podbean. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. A few more questions. So what's what's the link on YouTube? <laughs> like, just type in like the how book. old are you? Are you like the 80-year-old version of millennial or something where you can't figure out technology past a certain point or what? They, they were, I think they were like in their early 20s. <laughs> I'm fucking old. <laughs> um, yeah, just cancel all your plans. And every time someone asks you, why can't you make it to this? You know, why, why didn't you make it to my wedding? Well, I already listened to this podcast <laughs> on spotify and i already listened to it on on podbean but i didn't watch it on i don't i didn't listen to it on stitcher so i really had to get that done <laughs> that was more important than the birth of your first child yeah yeah your first child will always be there this episode probably could come down yeah, and, no. you know we can do it a second time <laughs> <laughs> have another kid i'll be there for that one yeah um yeah so check us out on all podcast catchers um i've added hoss <laughs> Uh, next week we are reviewing Onward by Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, our geriatric cinematic will be Heavy Metal, which is something you're super excited about. That came out in 1981. Heavy Metal. <laughs> um, the connection for that is going to be Heavy Metal Animation. Woo! Cannot wait to show you that. I movie. know. I wasn't really totally impressed by any of the options you showed me. Mm. So... The but I, the reason why I'm excited about this mm. is because I couldn't choose, and I'm like, this all looks like garbage. Mm-hmm. So I want to see if Mark is really excited about one of these, mm. and that will make me excited about whichever one he chooses because he always takes me on a wild fucking ride. I hope I really hope you except for right. Meet the Feebles. Fuck that fucking ah, thing. That should make you rewatch it. We should like pair it with something. Yeah, we're going to watch uh, The Eternals and uh, Meet the Fables. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's our show for this week. Um, we want to thank you guys for joining us. And bid you guys adieu. 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 Uh, and I will leave you guys off with this wonderful, wonderful quote from Gavin, played by Danny DeVito in The War of the Roses. He said these great words. I should have seen her toes in the pit of my crotch as a cry for help. <laughs>